Hi there, I'm Gareth, and welcome to Talking Divergency, a monthly podcast where I, as a neurodivergent person, sit down and talk to other neurodivergent people about what life has been like for them from childhood to current day. Hi guys, how's it going? Thank you for joining. Shoji, Heli, Zalia, Redneck Judge, how are you all? I hope you are well, and welcome to Talking Divergency. Um, episode 5, I think, at this point, actually. I actually lost track and that's not good because it's such a low number. <laughs> <laughs> that's really not good. Um, as you can see, I am currently joined by the ever ever awesome Krev. Hi, guys. Um, I might turn the volume up a little bit just because I realise it's... I think I may have knocked it a little bit because I'm clever like that. But how are you? <laughs> I am doing well. About as good as I can be for a Sunday evening. <laughs> I feel that entirely. <laughs> what time is it for you? Uh, it's just after five o'clock for me. See, time zones still confuse me. All these mm. years in the world, and I still don't get them in my head. <laughs> uh, so, for those who don't know, this is a podcast where I sit down with other neurodivergent people and talk about what life is really like. I'm trying to get better at actually remembering to do that introduction as well. So, yes. Um, I guess... Do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? It's probably the best way to start. Uh, sure. Yeah. So um, as you guys can guess, my name is Krev. Um, I am a uh, bisexual content creator here on the platform and Twitch partner. Uh, I'm also uh, ADHD um, and I was actually recently diagnosed within the last couple of years. So adult ADHD. Um, and I've kind of been learning and stumbling through life, trying to figure out what that means for me and how it affects me. Uh, but beyond that, I consider myself pretty um, open about mental health and kind of the struggles and stuff I have with other uh, aspects of my life, like anxiety and depression. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about me. So that's that resonates a lot with me because I'm currently, I mean, I'm technically currently going through the adult diagnosis progress, process for ADD myself. So <laughs> I get that entirely. So you say a couple it's of years really ago. Tough. Yeah, it's really tough because a lot of times like people are like, oh, you've already made it to adulthood. You don't really need a diagnosis now. And it's just like, mm, that's not true. <laughs> this is, yeah, I got the exact same thing. My wife's actually, she's yeah. just started going through an, an adult, adult autism process. And I was actually discussing it with Dino the last time. The first thing the doctor said was, why do you want this? <laughs> like, because you're not going to get benefits. Know about myself. Yeah. <laughs> like... How how was the process for you as getting the adult one? Mm. So that's actually really funny. Um, I actually found out in a non like psychological setting. Uh, so I deal with a lot of chronic pain. I was um, enlisted in the Air Force here in the United States, and I injured my shoulder back in about 2016. Um, I went through bouts of pain management, physical therapy, and um, other kind of just things trying to figure out like a good medication regimen for me because I still deal with a lot of the chronic pain. Um, and I've always had sleep issues and I've always had anxiety. So like a lot of those things kind of coupled together has been really challenging for me to be able to have like a good just health and wellness plan built for me. Um, and they actually discovered that when they started putting me back on narcotic pain medicine, uh, one of the reactions I had with 
one of the medications I'm on, which is hydrocodone, uh, if you have ADHD, it's actually considered a stimulant for you rather than a depressant. So when, you know, people take typically a, a hardcore narcotic, whether it's Oxycontin or any of that kind of stuff or hydrocodone, usually people will feel very sleepy. They'll feel very like lethargic. They'll want to just nap it off. But for me, it was a completely different experience. Like I take it in the morning and it's like having five cups of coffee immediately into my system. Um, and it was a really interesting thing because I was like, is this normal? Cause I'd never like really heard of that before. They were like, oh, you're going to be tired. You're probably not going to be able to take this at work. And I was like, no, I, and I took it at, uh, I think the first time I took it, it was at like 7 PM and I was wired until five in the morning. And I'm like, this can't be right. Like this isn't normal. And I just kept like taking it the next day and I kind of adjusted the times and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Why is this giving me such a very like completely different uh, response than somebody else would who is taking the same medication? And then my pharmacist, who is a fantastic doctor, who unfortunately, I wish I could still say I'm seeing now, but once I moved, I, I lost him. But he's been balancing my medications for many years. And he's like, well, congratulations, you have ADHD. Um, and it was a very kind of like, oh my God, that explains so much. And so now I'm going through like the official process of getting my actual like full diagnosis from the psychiatric board and psychologists and such too. Um, but it was such a unique way of finding out I had it and like kind of really going back through and digging through what that process looked like for me, like looking at like, oh, okay, so like, is this something I really have? Like, should I look into this a bit more? And like, I think we joke around a lot, like, oh, I'm ADHD or, oh, I, you know, oh, squirrel. And like, you know, you, the stupid jokes that we've made, like kind of growing up and stuff like that. And it just was like, but wait, wait, is this actually me? And I like dug through a lot of the symptoms and I dug through a lot of the, you know, the experiences I had. And I was like, oh my God, this explains so much. Like I, you know, growing up, I, I have issues in school because I couldn't pay attention. Anyone tapping their foot, moving, uh, doing any sort of like annoying thing in the background drove me insane and I couldn't focus. And like my just like lack of attention on being able to like focus on things for long periods of time or not being able to break focus. I'm extremely hyperactive when it comes to like hyper-focusing on activities. And it just like really just kind of digging through all that. I was like, oh my God, I have this. And this explains so much. Um, and it was a really kind of eye-opening experience for me. So that was about, uh, I want to say that was about two years ago, two or three years ago. So I'm still, I guess, relatively newer to that process of kind of like really understanding everything just because yeah. there's a lot to know there really is. And, and it affects people differently. So it was, it was really interesting to kind of just at least get that, that diagnosis and kind of go from there. Uh, so it was really, it was really interesting and I don't know, it just, it, it, it answered a lot of questions I had and then also made about 50 more questions that I haven't gotten answered yet. So um, it definitely put me on the right track of being able to understand a little bit more about myself and like how I can fix that. So it, yeah, it was, it was definitely a bit of a, a weird diagnosis just because it was kind of a backwards way of doing it rather than kind of the traditional, you know, psychiatrist, psychologist, uh, medical review and kind of going through all that stuff. And it was just like, nope, this is scientifically proven. If this is the reaction you have, you need to get checked for this. And lo and behold here i am so now that's that whole thing's actually really interesting because even the normal way let's say normal the the typical way to get to go through the process that you were saying there is very different to the way it is over here very mm -hmm. different so over here what 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 i did to get this to get this all started as an adult is i took uh, a a questionnaire 
that was an assessment form. If you it had eleven questions, and if you scored four or more, you should get checked. And I scored eight, so it's like well, okay then. Um, but then you just take that to your your local doctor, and they just start the process. That's it. There's no psychiatrist or anything involved. Yeah, so it's <clears throat> it's actually really challenging to get that diagnosis here, and especially for women too. Um, I found that I ended up running into a couple of doctors even after getting the reaction I did from my pain medication, and they were like it's not that common in women. Like we're not going to test for this. And I got brushed off by at least four or five doctors before one would even start the assessment for me. Um, and it was really just kind of like, oh, you know what? We don't think so. Like you'd be showing more signs. And I hate that. I hate that. That drives me insane. You should be showing more signs. Yeah. And it's like, no, I've learned how to mask my entire life. Like, I, I've been on this planet for 32 years now. Like I have learned how to mask those symptoms because, you know, if somebody called me out on something that was annoying or something like that, I was like, okay, let's not do that again. So I don't get called <laughs> out. So like, yeah, naturally I'm not going to necessarily like stim in the office or like, you know, do something that would be considered in their, in their eyes, something that would be like visibly ADHD or, or uh, attention deficit disorder or anything like that. And it was just really, it was a, it was a, like a terrible process to start. And like the military was really bad about it too, because they were like, nope, we don't want to deal with this. We don't want to put our hands in this because then if it gets to a severe case, you can't be in. Um, and you lose your ability to stay in. If it, if it is a problem that could be affecting your day-to-day -day life and your job, it is something that they'll remove you for. So okay. it's, it was interesting to kind of go through that process. And for me, I went through like right as I was going through my med board. Um, so if you're not familiar with that, I, I, when I got hurt in the military, they go through a medical evaluation board and basically they go through and they're like, all right, what can we do for what's ailing you? Um, and in my case, it was back, uh, back and shoulder and neck injuries. Um, and they went through everything. They've been through different specialists and all that stuff. And they start going through a little bit of everything with you. And then they start basically having you build up everything that's ever been wrong with you while you joined. Um, and then we kind of went through all the pain stuff and we're like, oh, okay. So, you know, you're on a new pain medicine. You're having this reaction to this. Interesting. Okay. So this is like, finally, one of the doctors was like, oh, this is, you know, you're having that reaction to this medication. Let's see if we can kind of push this up and at least get a diagnosis for you. And it wasn't until after I got out and I was already in the retiree system for the military that they would even look at me for it. And even then they still had to push it out to a civilian provider rather than a military provider in that case. So now I'm dealing with it with a civilian provider and they just like had, you know, this huge list of like red tape things that they wouldn't deal with me for. They were like, oh, you know, we can't really see retirees for this. You're going to have to find somebody else. So I did a lot of like research on my own and found um, a psychologist who was fantastic and has been my psychologist for the last two years or so. And she's just like, yeah, we can start the process. Absolutely. And she like, like, and I talked to her about like all of the medications that I was on and like what I was experiencing, my insomnia, my pain, my anxiety, all these other things. And she was just like, yeah, it's clear as day. Like as a psychologist point of view, like I can easily, like just sitting on a phone call with me for an hour when she sees me once every two weeks or three weeks or so, she can tell different things just from my speech pattern, just from my organization of thoughts, just from how I tell the stories of what's going on in my life. Like she was able to kind of pick those things up that the military was just like, no, nah, not interested. So it was, it was, it's, it's not a fun process here in the States to get it. Um, and they just, they're super reluctant about giving it out as an adult diagnosis. 
because they think like, oh, you're already an adult. You've already dealt with it. You already know how to deal with it. But that's, it's false. Like, yeah. I, if I can find out what's like ailing me, I'm going to find out at 32. So the rest of my, you know, 40 something years is a better experience than, you know, if, if I could change one year, like I, if I find the diagnosis at 68 and I die at 70, I'm still going to get the diagnosis so I can live those last two years with a better understanding of how my life works. So, yeah, so it's 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 not been a positive experience here in the States doing it, but it is a very long, drawn out process. And it, and it just kind of it sucks because it's just not very like user friendly and like it's not a very like welcoming process if that makes sense like we still have a lot of those diagnostics like the test that you had mentioned i went through a couple of those those diagnostics with my psychologist and they were like okay yeah you're you're exhibiting a lot of these signs you know let's move you over to a psychiatrist i had the psych eval they did the same thing um so now they're in the process of getting me lined up with a new psychiatrist so i can get put on medication for it um but it yeah it was definitely not a fun experience trying to go through that but you know at the same point i was like i know i have this so i'm going to continue to fight and it was hard because it's like, you know, looking at that objectively from uh, a different standpoint, what if somebody didn't know they had it and they were trying to get that diagnosis and it's already like shoving it in their face, like, hey, you know, you know, it's too hard or we don't think you have it or you're not showing enough symptoms or something like that. Whereas me, I had the I had the diagnosis or at least the medical side of the diagnosis before I even had the true psychologist diagnosis, which, you know. I mean, a lot of times you can tell whether or not you're, you're neurodivergent just from how you react to a lot of things, how your life is and that kind of stuff too. So there's a lot of self-diagnosis in this field. Um, so naturally, you know, if we can get that actual diagnosis, it's going to be so much better for us. Oh yeah, I completely agree. Like that, because I'm also quite new to, to all this as well, because I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't really know anything about any type of neurodivergence. Um until my daughter was diagnosed i knew nothing about any about autism about adhd anything um since then obviously we've learned more learned about myself learned about my wife as well um and learning about just everyone in general that we meet and talk to about it this podcast has been a great learning experience for me as well if i'm completely honest um one thing i've noticed is even over here they're very much against the idea of any adult ever being diagnosed, you do have to argue for it to to get it started. Once it started, it's fine, but it's getting that first starting point done. That's the difficult part because it's it's for a different reason. Because over here, you get officially um, you're officially labelled as disabled, at which point you can get what's called disabled living allowance from the government, and yeah, they view it as people are just trying to get money from the government. That's what they think. So you end up having to prove to them that you're actually worth them looking at if that makes sense yeah and that you're not doing it to chase the paycheck yeah Yeah. you're not trying to get out of work but the only reason the only reason the doctor actually agreed to see me is because i said i want this because at work i can't concentrate i get in trouble i need to protect my job and at that point he went oh okay then yeah and And it's it's such a an interesting thing hearing that you guys can get like the you know stipends from that because like here i don't believe on its own is it's its own disability to the point i don't think we can collect any sort of disability i don't quote me on that i'm not super fluent in the laws and stuff here but i don't think unless it's like an extreme case that it would be something that would qualify here so for us i think it's more of like just an informational and 
then you also have the biggest problem too here is because we have drug pandemics here in the states like people are like oh you just want you just want Adderall so you can sell it or like so you can just get high and stuff and it's just like do I look like that kind of person do I look like a drug dealer like no and it's just like sometimes I just want to like be able to focus for my day and like I want to be able to get through the day without having intrusive thoughts or hyper focusing on something for eight hours and losing my day like and it's it's a lot of that stigma is still here of getting medication for it. And like, oh, you know, you're just looking for the medication. You're just looking for, you know, the high. You're looking for the whatever. It's it's very pessimistic, in in at least from my experience and from the experiences I've seen with, you know, close friends of mine and family as well. Yeah. And it's the same with everyone that I've spoken to over here. Well, yeah, actually everyone that I've spoken to is everyone seems to look at the idea of it as, not you trying to understand something or trying to help yourself, but you want something specifically. And that's, that's a real shame. It's a real shame because you were saying like there's a lot of self-diagnosis out there, and there is, and it's because it's the only way to do it for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's scary. It, it really is. And it's scary because then you realize that like we're getting a lot of our information online. And online is great. Online is fantastic. You can create support groups and networks and all this wonderful stuff, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. And there's a lot of information that could be potentially damaging to somebody who's just looking to find out more about themselves. Um, and that's so hard because like, you want to just sit here and like, I want to protect all my little ADHD babies and be like, listen, it's going to be okay. I promise. But like, people are just like constantly pointing them at this and that. And like, I've seen people that are like throwing drugs like oh you should go do like this particular drug and it'll give you the focus that you need to do this or and i'm just like oh my god like no like must protect i need to like you know guard all of these small children and stuff and it's just like and, it, and it's that sort of stuff that scares me is that because we've gotten this built up perception of it being this like dangerous thing or this like you only want it because of negative reasons or you only want it because of drugs or you only want it because of money um and it, it puts such a terrible stigma on it. And then people are stuck self-diagnosing and then self-treating. And instead of being able to learn, you know, appropriate coping method, uh, methods, dealing with CBT, dealing with uh, medication if it's needed uh, and that sort of thing as well. And it's just, uh, I, the perception bugs me a lot about it here. So I can, I can only imagine that it affects a lot of, a lot more people than I can ever see. Yeah. I think I think that's the biggest problem is right there is the perception. It's actually one of the things I guess later on later on in those list of questions. Like, but let's just put it up now. Is the general the general knowledge and understanding of ADHD or any type of neuro neuro neurodivergent anything really? People have these stigmas and these preconceptions, and they can't get away from either from any of that kind of idea. They can't look at someone say and realize that they don't fit what is what is in their head for that thing so therefore like like my wife when she goes to work everyone at work now, now they know that she is autistic but they they didn't believe her to begin with because they said well you don't look like the person from rain man <laughs> or that you don't look autistic yeah. oh. i hate that i hate that's like my least favorite thing like you don't look X. And I'm just like, <laughs> just reverse everything that just came out of your mouth and reverse that statement. And let's find some way other than that to tell me that you don't necessarily agree. Like, oh, 
that drives me crazy that you don't look X because it affects everybody differently. Every single one of them affects everybody differently. I don't like my, uh, my older sister has ADHD and so does my older brother. We are not at all alike in how we exhibit our symptoms and how we deal with our conditions. And it's like, oh, and that was one of the, the biggest things is that they didn't know I had it and they didn't test me either. As a kid, my, my, both my, um, cause my sister is transgendered. So when she was younger, um, she was tested because of her, uh, perceived sex at the time. And I wasn't because I was a female and it's not as prevalent with women. And it was just like, so they automatically assumed that it wasn't me because I wasn't showing the same, uh, X, Y, Z appearances of the condition that they were. And, you know, so it's really interesting to kind of see that. And it's just like, at that point, I usually challenge back and I'm like, what does that look like to you? And then if they'll usually give you either some sort of televised movie portrayal of something that's so over-exaggerated that that is just, it's just completely inaccurate. And it's, ugh, drives me insane. Absolutely insane. Um, it's interesting you mentioned that because you go like going back, have you actually, like, because what I've started doing is I started looking back at all the things when I was younger and kind of reassessing everything that was in my head and everything that I did as a kid. Are you, have you been doing the same thing? Oh yeah. Yeah. So like I, um, I considered myself a decent student. Uh, school was very difficult for me. I had like tons of trouble trying to pay attention. I like anything and everything distracted me. Uh, somebody tapping their foot 30 feet away from me drove me batshit. I just like, I could not focus and I couldn't retain information. And I always wondered what's wrong with me. And I always like, why can't I do this? Why is it easy for them? Why is it, you know, why can't I memorize what I need to for the pop quiz we're having on Monday? And it constantly like answered so many of those questions of like, there's nothing wrong with me. I just think a little differently and I just react a little differently and I learn a little differently. And it, it soothed a lot of pain, I guess, like the, the, you know, the figurative like school pains and growing pains that I had. And it answered a lot of those questions kind of for me. And it really did a, it really kind of did a number on me like growing up because like I, um, I was considered a decent student. I was, I was kind of one of those kids who I was always rambunctious. I was always like happy to like volunteer and jump in and like super high energy. And then I, uh, had lost my mother. My mother was, uh, affected with colon cancer when I was younger. So she passed away when I was about 11. And after that, my personality changed completely. I was a terrible student. I couldn't focus. I couldn't do anything. I was completely different. And they didn't realize that it, they, they were like, oh, it's just grief. It's just grief. But it, what it really was, was a lot of my masking and stuff that I was doing to kind of help protect myself. I didn't have the, I didn't have the energy to do anymore. I didn't have the energy to mask uh, whether things annoyed me. I didn't have the energy to uh, try to just like, I did a lot of distractions. So like when, you know, if I didn't know an answer, I'd crack a joke at the teacher instead of like saying, oh, I don't know this. Like, it'd be like, oh, but I bet, you know, they know it. And I just like deflect a lot. And I just didn't have the energy to do it anymore. Um, and it was kind of one of those turning points for me that like, had I known in that time that that was what was actually happening to me, my whole younger life would have been completely different. Like I could have had so many different opportunities to, you know, have a much more positive childhood, 
and like growing up, like my teenage years were volatile and angry um, because, you know, it was dealing with a lot of these kind of issues with like dealing with loss and dealing with a family member that didn't care. I was in a household with my father and my my brother at the time, my sister now, who, who had already moved out. It was just me and my dad. He worked lots of hours. And I was like, just not getting the help I needed. And it like tanked me in school. Like it made me hate school. I went from a straight A student in eighth grade to barely passing my classes in high school. Um, and then I like came back up a little bit when I was like, oh, you know, maybe, you know, a couple of years into it, I kind of dealt with the grief and I kind of dealt with a lot of other things. Um, and I was able to kind of mask again. And I had a little bit of energy to mask again um, and kind of just scrape by school. And that helped a lot, just kind of getting through the last couple of years. But school was terrible, absolutely terrible. I, I was in agony from the second I went to school to the second I got home. And then I like just threw myself into so many different extracurricular activities because I didn't want to deal with what I was dealing with. Um, I mean, I, I had to retake classes my senior year from like my sophomore year because I failed because I couldn't focus and I couldn't like I wasn't getting the help I needed. Um, and it was just kind of like tons of deflection and tons of like, you know, oh, it's, it's whatever, you know, I don't care about grades. I don't care about this shit. I don't care about that. And it was a lot of just me pushing things off to the side. Yeah. Um, and that was really, really hard for me. And it was really kind of, uh, I think a turning point for me. And I knew that something was different. I knew that like, there was something there that was causing me to be and feel and react differently than others, but I couldn't tell you what it was. Um, and I think I kind of ignored it for probably a good 10 years. Um, you know, I graduated high school. I got married really young. I, uh, ended up getting divorced really young as well. Um, I flung myself into relationships mostly to kind of distract myself from that. And, you know, that was my like coping mechanism. And then I realized I was having the same problems I was having in school with relationships. I wasn't able to communicate. I wasn't able to be heard the way I needed to be heard. I wasn't learning the way I needed to learn. Um, and it just caused not only rifts in my friendships, but rifts in my relationships, rift in a marriage and all that other stuff too. So, um, God, if I time travel, if I could have a, a, a time travel unit just to go back and tell me like, oh, you have, you have ADHD. Congrats here. Take this and, you know, have, have what you will with the, the life you're going to have. Uh, my life would have been completely different, but yeah, it was, it was a challenge. Like my younger years, I just, I had so many questions and I wasn't getting answers to any of them. And it was, yeah, it was impossible. It felt impossible at the time. Like, obviously now I realized I got through it one way or another, but it felt impossible and it felt like a brick wall that I was punching every day. Well, firstly, as someone who, as, as one person who lost a parent young to another, I'm sorry for that. Um, secondly, for me, no, I can't, I, I get that entirely, but I, I, I was a bit different in the looking back, I realized I, my way of dealing it was basically to shut, shut everyone out entirely I think I had about three people that I would talk to regularly, friends that I grew up with, who I still chat to every now and then now, but we kind of lost touch because we grew older. Um, but I, I never did any extracurricular activities, not a single one. Um, I played rugby for a bit um, till I couldn't after I broke my knee. <laughs> uh, but I spent most of my time basically trying to take, trying to take my anger out on things, 
generally by hurling my body at them. So (laughs) the best way to explain that would be I try to make my own solo version of Jackass. Yep. I'm picturing that now and uh, I'm getting a a very comical view in my head. The, stu- the stupidest thing I ever did was jumping out of the, my bedroom window to try and c- land in the tree, and I missed it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and it was just a way of me dealing with things. Um, but then also. See, and this is my perfect example of how people deal with things differently. <laughs> exactly. Some of us deal with jumping out of a building, which is not a recommended thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, like, from a school point of view, it's actually quite quite funny that you say that, like how you explained everything that went along, like, like you were doing really well and then it dropped and everything, because I was kind of the same. Because by the time I got to, well, GCSEs, so it would have been, it's what, 14 to 16 here, I, my grades tanked completely. Um, it was only during A-levels, so 17 and 18, that I got anything back. And oddly enough, that was sociolo- sociology and psychology, which were the classes that I didn't ever go to a single class in. I just studied by myself because if I, yeah. whenever I went to a classroom, I, I couldn't deal with it at all. There's just too many people. So I stayed home, didn't bother going to a single class, came out with it with the best grades in the, in the class and I didn't, didn't go to a single lesson. It's just funny how things go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, a lot of that also plays into the fact of like, that's a class that you're going to have to like spend time like digging into and it doesn't like you're not necessarily getting a lot from other students in that case so like that sort of class is like perfect for that sort of like nose to the book sort of like grind into it so plus it gives you a really good solid of psychology having a psychology background is really interesting like i i'm like obsessed with like doing my own research like i i may as well just start working in and starting getting my like ba a ba or a bs in psychology just because it's so interesting but do yeah it. it's yeah I already have like five degrees. I don't know if I need another path right now. <laughs> okay, so now that I didn't know that, and that is incredible. I'm just gonna say. So okay, most of them are associate degrees. Yeah. So I have a um, I have a, a wide range of educational interests. So I love school, and I probably that's probably not what you expected to come out of my mouth. I love school. I love learning more so. Okay. Um, and I love getting into like just new topics and new things. Like I can't find my way out of uh, a Windows operating system to save my life. But I could tell you the ins and outs of intelligence reporting and how signals work and how drones work and all of that. Like that's fantastic like information for me to just like dig in and like learn all about. But I can't, I, I can't even tech, tech support my own computer. Like it, it's just like fun things like that. Like once you find those like topics and stuff that you're really interested in, it, it makes it easy. Um, and I think that that's one of the benefits that I think I get from having ADHD. Like everyone's like, oh, the bad things, the bad things, the bad things. Well, hyper-focus isn't always a bad thing. Um, it also allows me to dig and just like face dive into things I love. Um, and so school was one of those things that kind of did that for me. And I had, uh, you know, I, I didn't obviously do that great in high school. So naturally my step was to go to like a local community college Um, so I started working on my associate's degree there in business. And I was like, I've always been like, I've always been that person that like monetized all my hobbies. Like when I was 11, I was like playing video games and like 
working for like nonprofit radio stations that worked in the gaming stations or games that I was playing and stuff like that. And I would like work with them and I would like find ways to like monetize everything because that was like a hobby and a love for mine. And it caused like a lot of hyper focus in that. So like business was always something that was really interesting to me because like you can make it your own, you can do whatever you want with it. And like you can, there's no rules and like there's no like, you have to do it this way. And that was one of the things that really made me love business was just that like, you can have a business of whatever you want and you can make it whatever you want and you can be whoever you want. And it's just something that is so personal, even though you have to learn, like, obviously like the basis of uh, economics, of finance, of accounting and that sort of stuff. The general aspect of business is really widespread and really vague. Um, and I love that. And so naturally I was like, oh, great. So here I am, you know, taking my associate's degree classes. And I was like, man, I really want to go to a real college. Like I wanted the real college experience and I couldn't afford it. I worked, um, I worked and I paid through my, my classes. I did, uh, student loans for my first couple of associate, my first couple of uh, semesters of associate's degree. And then I paid cash for everything else. And then I was like, okay. Um, I, then I got into my marriage and I was trying to do like online courses and that never really quite sit for me. And then I was like, you know what? Um, I knew I always wanted to join the military and it was just kind of a process of me like getting into the military. And one of the biggest things for me was the GI bill. Um, and if you're not familiar with the GI bill, it's basically the military allows you to have this like three going to school. Um, and they pay you a housing allowance and they pay for your school. Um, so you basically get paid, you know, depending on like where you live, because it's dependent obviously on the cost of living of the area of the school. Um, but you get your degree paid for. And, and that was so enticing to me because I was like, man, I really want to learn. I want to, I want to get more degrees, but I don't want to pay for this. A private school degree is like $80,000 a year. Uh, and like public school, maybe, you know, 30,000 for a couple of years. And it's, it's a lot of money. It's ridiculous amounts of money. And I never wanted to be in debt up to my eyeballs because I wanted to learn. So like naturally, um, the military kind of opened a lot of doors for me for education. And I was just like, this is great. I can go and I can take classes while I'm in because they also have tuition assistance. So like while I was in, I could take classes and the Air Force specifically has its own community college. There is a community college of the Air Force oh, wow. that we get a degree in. We get our um, basically whatever job you choose in the military has some sort of overarching uh, degree field. So like mine, I was a cryptologic language analyst. Basically, I was a translator. Um, I dealt with a lot of, um, they taught me a language and I translated it for six years. But I have a general degree in intelligence studies because I'm dealing with, you know, counterterrorism and stuff like that too. So I took obviously the stuff that I learned from like my job in the military and, you know, the supplemental classes, I took a couple of like tests and stuff like that. Or I took like a speech class, I think, to like give them the requirements for the degree. And they gave me an associate's degree. And then because of the job that I picked in the Air Force, um, the school that we go to is a year and a half long. Um, I basically, as a cryptologic language analyst, the military tests your ability to learn a new language. They make up this like test called the Defense Language Aptitude Battery, uh, which standardized testing is a bane of my existence. But apparently when it's all about made up languages, I do just fine with it. Um, so that's the one benefit of ever taking, uh, a standardized test for that, but they basically do this and they make up rules and they make up a language and say like, Hey, how good are you at figuring out these rules when we don't tell you everything? Um, and we take this test and it gives you like an indication of like, Oh, you can learn all the way up to a cat four language. And a cat four language is like the hardest languages that would be like English, Chinese, Arabic, Korean, 
um, symbolic languages, languages that don't have very close native relatives to like English or Latin and that sort of thing. So like a cat one language would be like um, from English would be like Spanish or Italian or Latin in this case, where it has a lot of the same roots. Yeah. So I get in there and I'm like, okay, cool language. This is awesome. I get to learn a new language. And then since we're there for so long, we learn at the rate of somebody who's specializing in this as an educational degree. So we got another associate's degree from that. So I have an associate's degree in Pashto studies, which is the language of Afghanistan. And uh, so now I have an intelligence degree and a Pashto degree and my business degree. And then while I was in, I finished up my bachelor's degree uh, in business because obviously I still had an interest in that. And I'm now working on my master's in business because I still have an interest in that. So it's just like, I, I've been collecting degrees like they're pieces of candy being held out. So um, it's one of those things for me that like education has always been kind of the the wanted side effect of having ADHD. I've always kind of got like everybody dwells on a lot of the negatives of it, but I get to focus on a little bit of the positive aspect and how it's changed my life. And education is one of those things that I love. And I like I'm always kind of that person who's like, okay, can you teach me how to do this? Like, hey, can you show me how to do this? Or, hey, um, when you have some time, would you mind walking me through this? Because I want to have the information too. Um, and it's just kind of opened a door for me just like realizing that I just love learning. And it, I would have never realized that had I like not really just taken back and like looked at, okay, what is a positive of this? Like you can dwell on the negatives all you want. Like, yeah, I can't sleep. Yeah, I have crippling anxiety. Yeah, I, you know, have trouble communicating sometimes, but damn, I'd love to learn. <laughs> so it's it's given me some fun things to kind of look forward to, I guess, and kind of some fun ways to spin it, I guess, you know, because if you're going to sit there and dwell about a lot of the the negatives of it, it's going to consume you and it's going to, it's going to destroy you if you let it. And, you know, in the meantime, find something good about it and keep that at like the forefront of your mind. So that's kind of what I've been doing over the last couple of years, at least since, since my like mini diagnosis of it, at least. That was incredibly inspiring, I have to say. <laughs> That's probably one of the most Never inspiring. thought I was the education nerd, huh? <laughs> no, I, just wow. I, I, I think you and my wife would get on really well because she's she's got two degrees at the moment. She's now on her third, which is nuclear physics. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, mixed with biology because she thought it's, it would be interesting. And I can't do the science, but man, power <laughs> power to her. That's that's impressive. It's Science is the bane of my existence, though, so I can't. Mm -mm. Same. Way over my head. <laughs> uh, she she asked me to help out with some because because English isn't her like her first language. She asked me to help out with some of the writing, and the really embarrassing part is that in one of her like assessments, the one question she got wrong was the one that I wrote, which <laughs> <laughs> was incredibly embarrassing. Um, but it's the thought that counts in that matter. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but it's it, looking at the positive thing. That's actually a really good point because you you made me while you were talking. I was thinking like, what's the positive? What's the biggest positive from my side of things? And it's actually thinking about it. It's at work for me because I because I know I get distracted quickly. I try to just get conversations like at work with, that I find really dull and boring done as quickly as possible, and that comes off as to put it bluntly, I, t I don't bullshit with anything. I just say what it is. And it terrifies my boss. <laughs> <laughs> we had a client who 
Because I work in digital marketing. We had a client who their website, well, a potential new client, they were going to massive budget. We spent ages talking like, in a, it's like a seven hour meeting with them or something. It was horrendous. Eventually got to me. Um, they said like, okay, so from your side of marketing, how how is the website doing? What do you think is wrong with it? And I just said, honestly, it's doing shit and you you might as well just start again. And that's literally what I said. <laughs> and my boss's face was like, uh. oh, no. <laughs> and then the, the, the client, this client just looked at me and said, no one's ever said that to me before. Thank you for the honesty. I think I'm going to use you guys. And we converted them into a client because I just yeah. said, start again, it's shit. Because mm-hmm. the, the the no bullshit thing is absolutely a positive. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. sometimes. Like it's gotten me in trouble. It's gotten me in trouble a few times. But I I am very much so the same way of like I I don't want to beat around the bush like for a lot of things, especially if it's a negative conversation. I'm just be like, listen, like this isn't working. This is not good. You drop the ball here. This is what we can do to like move forward. And it's just like I think a lot of it is like people try to beat around the bush so much that sometimes it's just like completely lost its meaning at that point. And it's just like, nope, sometimes you just got to rip off the Band-Aid. And apparently we're very good at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I'm i sure my boss has had some sleepless, sleepless nights because of me. Uh, <laughs> I can give so oh, many Oh, God, examples. what is Derek going to do? <laughs> well, like, we, we had we had a, an, another client, because he, he's a salesman. Like, through and through, he's a salesman. And my God, he will talk for... He, like. He will turn a half an hour meeting into a three hour meeting by going on a sales pitch. He's that kind of person. And he was talking and talking to this client about all this ideas and stuff, turned to me and said, Isn't that right? And I said, No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Nope. <laughs> and, and I just, in a sentence or two, I just explained what it really was. I'm sure he, he I'm the longest running employee in that company somehow, and I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> hey. The positives. That's exactly. what it is. You gotta find those little positives. Oh. Wow. We've actually covered so much of the topics that I was going to ask anyway. This is brilliant. Um, <laughs> in fact, I'm looking through the list now. I'm like, what haven't we... What, what haven't, haven't we, we talked covered? about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, there's only one part we haven't discussed, I think. Oh, actually, no, there's two. Social interactions. We oh, kind of touched on it, but it's the hard. It's one of the hardest ones to talk about. It is a hard one to talk about. Um, so like I, God, where do I want to start with this? <laughs> um, social interactions for me are very challenging. Um, but I've made like a, I kind of have like a crisis dump on people when I meet people. Um, and I hate the way that that sounds, but it is absolutely accurate like if i start getting close to somebody i will dump immediately and i'm like you can take that or you can leave that (laughs) and like i am not changing like this is this is how i live my life these are the things that i deal with and you can either choose to get on board with that or not and i have seen obviously some success with that but also a lot of negatives with that and i i think a lot of it is that like over the years i just haven't been able to really deal very well with like fallouts of friendships fallouts of relationships um so for me it's always kind of been one of those things where like if i dump on them and they leave immediately it's gonna hurt less and 
and it's just kind of been a defense mechanism. So like, it's just kind of like, all right, you either are going to stay and learn more or you can choose to run now. But I have been through so many narcissistic, sociopathic, like parasitical relationships in my life that I don't have, I don't have the emotional strength to continue playing nice with people. Um, and that's really just, and it sounds terrible and it makes, I feel like it sounds, it makes me sound like I'm this like hateful person, but I just, I don't have the emotional capacity to deal with it anymore. And, um, a lot of it's changed in the last couple of years because I like, I got out of a extremely, um, extremely toxic relationship about a year and a half ago or so, um, maybe a little over a year. And it destroyed me because they preyed on all of the things that make me weak. And they used a lot of my like things that I struggle with, with my own ADHD, with my own anxiety and my own stuff like that, and turned it around and weaponized it against me. And it was such a hard time. Like I remember I had friends checking in with me every day just to make sure that I still made it through the day. And I just realized that like, I could not keep doing this and allowing people to just abuse me that I just finally defense mechanism. Here's my, here's my book. You can choose to open it and read it, or you can put it back on the shelf. No hard feelings. And sometimes it's caused people to just walk out of my life and that's fine. That is totally fine. I am not for everybody. I'm not everybody's cup of tea and I'm not everybody's shot of whiskey. Uh, I am going to be who I am though, without fear of somebody else's judgment and their controlling nature and stuff like that. So I get a lot of that out ahead of time. And I feel like I do this kind of just really, really one of these just like conversation vomit. Like I, I have no other way of explaining it. Like, Hey, I deal with severe anxiety. I deal with, I have, uh, for example, I am also a, uh, suicide survivor three times. And that's rough for a lot of people. And two of those were in the last two years. And it's not something people are ready to talk about. It's not something people are ready to deal with and to experience and to really just open themselves up to. And I understand like some people just don't have that capacity. They're not going to have the capacity to deal with somebody like me. And that's, I hope they have a fantastically wonderful life and they find exactly what they're looking for. But if they don't have the capacity to even understand or even try to understand me, I'm not going to open myself up for that anymore. And it's allowed me to really sort of kind of put up this wall, but also allow people to slowly start taking it down. Um, I put up a wall really, really quick, but it's not one that's like, a, a full-on brick wall. Like I can sit here and say, you know, I hyper-focus on shit and I'll forget you exist. I, I will sit here and do schoolwork for six hours and then not even realize that somebody had messaged me six times trying to get a hold of me. 
And I'm like, this is something that I deal with. This is not something that I like try to like focus on or try to, I'm not trying to ignore you or trying to hurt your feelings, but sometimes I, sometimes I get lost in things and sometimes I, you know, I'm not able to give them the full attention. And sometimes I don't have the mental capacity to deal with all of their problems all the time. And sometimes that's okay. Like I may not be able to deal with somebody who just like got fired on a day that I can barely keep myself together. Like, so I try to be my best self and try to put myself forward, but I am very upfront about who I am and the struggles that I have, because I hope that somebody can also do the same for me. Um, and I don't necessarily want to be fully blindsided by something later on down the road when they could have just been upfront and say, listen, I deal with this too. Or like, Hey, you know, maybe I'm trying to think of a good of a good example I ran into recently. Um, I had one that was like, you are okay. Yeah. So this was about a month and a half ago. I was talking with somebody and, you know, I said, listen, this is, this is who I am and you can, you can choose to be in my life or not. And this wasn't a romantic, this was just like a friendship who was just kind of like dealing with, they were like, wow, your life is kind of like, you're going through some whiplash right now. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Is my life an inconvenience to you? Like, and it was because they came off and they were like, you complain a lot. And I said, I complain a lot. Because I have been put through the ringer in the last couple of months. I'm not allowed to talk about how I feel about something. And they immediately got defensive about it. And they immediately were like, hey you know, this is, or you seem too negative. When 90% of their messages were complaining about work to me constantly. And I'm like, because you see that I put a title on stuff and I have diagnoses for things and I have like this in my life. Yes, I have anxiety. Yes, I have ADHD. Yes, I have depression. Yes, I have. Yes, I have had suicidal ideations. I have these things and this is the label for things and how I have it. And here's the box that shows you I have everything. Just because you don't have a label on yours doesn't make mine worse than yours. And that has been something that I've been running into a lot. And it's made me realize that I have to curate the people in my life a lot better. Um, because people will be like, oh, you know, well, you're just, you know, you're just seeking attention because you had these, you know, yeah, these suicidal ideations. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Literally, if I was seeking attention, I would probably be like posting about it all over the, the internet and like begging people to talk to me. I, I laid in that bed for four days straight, getting up just to use the bathroom, not talking to anybody. Like, there's a lot more to it that can be like, people are just really judgmental. Yeah. And I've just become very, very desensitized to people's bullshit. And I've just kind of like realized that like, hey, I'm going to give you everything I have. And I am looking to just get some respect for that or just even some understanding. I'm not exactly expecting anyone to just be like, Krev, I'm going to be here to fix all your issues. I don't expect that. But what I do expect is someone to say, I don't know the best way to handle it. I don't know the best way to help you. But can you tell me? Or can I learn more about this? Or can I can you educate me? Or I looked up this, is this something that you like? Or like just something, something in there that shows that they're going to acknowledge it and respect it. 
and not make me feel like I am going crazy or that I am less than because I have this. The less than drives me insane yeah. because we're not less than. If anything, we have these fun little enhancements and extra skill points that we have to deal with sometimes. But it's not, it's not a, it, we're not bad. We're not less than. We're not incapable of doing anything. It might take us a little bit longer to do something. It may be a different tactic that needs to be used, but we're not broken. And that took me a long time to realize. And once I realized that, I started dictating a lot of that in my friendships, in my my space, in my people. Um, and now, like, I can thankfully say I don't necessarily have anybody in my friend group that doesn't outright just, like, treat people like crap because I've abandoned them all. You know, I've I've done my job and done my due diligence on trying to cultivate people around me that are going to look out for one another, not necessarily even me, but like look out for their, their spouse and look out for their siblings and their communities and stuff like that too. Like, it's just been something that I've been so diligent on in the last couple of years of just trying to keep people that are going to continue to break myself down out of my life. And it doesn't always work. I'm going to run into people that are going to sneak in and narcissist their way into spaces they shouldn't but being diligent about that and being upfront about that has helped me a lot um and it's definitely changed my tune about just kind of realizing that like hey this has worked for me here's my 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 little package it has my anxiety my depression everything in it um it sometimes has a manual and sometimes that manual needs to get thrown out um but this is who i am and you can either take me or leave me and that was, that took me 30 years to do. As a kid, like I, I always wanted to be liked. I always wanted to be accepted. I always wanted to be the center of attention. I would, or like, just, I always wanted somebody to think highly of me. And now I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. If you like me, that's cool. Um, but if you don't like me, that's cool too. Like I'm not everybody's cup of tea and I'm never going to be. And I think realizing that that aspect of it is something that I can still control and still like kind of curate is important to me, I guess. So social, I know that's kind of a long winded answer on like how social relationships happen, but it, we are like at least people within the spectrum of, you know, the autism spectrum within the neurodivergency community, we're taking advantage a lot um, because we see things that people are giving us as truth rather than people trying to be genuine and questionative and inquisitive and people will abuse us because we let them. And so I had to change the narrative because I got tired of being abused. I got tired of constantly feeling like I was less than everybody else around me. And I can't always fix that. I can't always have that experience. And some days I still feel less than everybody else, but I can know with at least some degree of certainty that the people around me will never allow me to stay that way. And that's been something that's been really important to me. That was, I guess, wow is the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> Secondly, you have probably just clicked something in my head because I think, honestly, having the crisis dump is a good way of doing it, but I think the crisis dump idea is a really good thing that I might actually steal from you. <laughs> please do. If it works for you, fantastic. And it doesn't work for everybody. It's, you know, it's, it's obviously based on your own personality. Um, I am 
loud and blunt and honest and I don't like you, I'm probably going to tell you. Like it's, <laughs> and, and I know some people that intimidates a lot of people and that is going to push away people, but in the grand scheme of things, um, it's something that's worked for me and it has kind of allowed me to be like, just frank about things. Like this is, this isn't something that stops me. This isn't something that I am just going to let kill me. It's something that I live with and something I deal with. And here I am. Take me or leave me. Also, I guess I should probably say, well, um, I'll just say it, it, was, it was only two times for me. <laughs> um, put it that way. Um, one one of them, uh, a friend of mine basically stopped it from happening. And I owe him my, I owe him obviously a huge amount for that. Um, so again, I, I completely understand where you're coming from in that sense. Um, Social interactions are something that I have never been good at, which is why, to be honest, most of the time I'm sitting in this room doing it just all by myself. And when I was a kid, a I would sit in the room all by myself. Um, a lot easier, that's for sure. It is. It's a lot easier than trying to work out what people are actually doing. Mm-hmm. It's tiring sometimes. Oh, yeah. Trying to figure out why they do it, uh, the motives behind it and everything else. Yeah. As I've gotten older, I've become more closed and more like introverted in that regard because I'm understanding like things because I'm, before it was just kind of like, oh yeah, let's, you know, I needed the distraction more so than I think I was actually extroverted, if that makes sense. So like I did it because I needed something to like focus on rather than me actually wanting to be around other people. <laughs> so yeah. I'm realizing like, as I get older, like I'm a little more introverted than I thought I was. So <laughs> Uh, see, I, I went completely the other way. I'm, I, I think, I blame is the wrong word, but it's the only word I can think of. I blame my mum for this because she bought me my Mega Drive to basically shut me up when I was a kid, so that she could rest. Um, <laughs> she, she, she was raising me by herself at this point, and she's like, "I need some rest after work. I'm gonna buy a Mega. Uh, I'm gonna buy him a Sega. He can sh- sit there and play that and not bother me at all." And ever since then, my way of focusing on things is, I'm gonna turn the game on. And I basically just sat in my room all day, every day. I was, mm-hmm. you know, in South Park, there's that that guy who sits on his computer playing World of Warcraft, the joke guy. Okay, yeah. I was yeah. basically that as a kid. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> that was me. This reminds me of a cosplay. I just now I have the cosplay. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but there was the guy that cosplayed at one of the conventions as the World of Warcraft guy from South Park. And he had like a rolling desk and everything. And then it just made me like, I just put your face on that cosplay. And it just was like, made me chuckle for a minute. I'm sorry for that image. But yeah, so social, social, yeah, I had the, I had a very similar, very similar issue in that I found a lot of people would generally use you. So I made, I made friends with, I tried to make friends with a lot of people and every single one of them for lack of a better term, betrayed me one way or another with various different things. Generally, generally making a bullshit behind my back and make yeah, making me out to be crazy, for lack of a better term, which is always fun. Term. I hate that term so much. So do I. I hate it because it's just not. It's not right in any sense of the word. But it's the only thing I could think of because that's basically what they called me. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's it's like. At that point, I'm just like, oh, I'll show you crazy. All right, let's, let's go. Let's go. All right. 
that's my like first reaction as soon as somebody's like, "Oh, you're acting crazy." I was like, "I'll show you fucking crazy. Let's go." <laughs> I'm ashamed and also not ashamed to admit I may have gone into a few fights over it. A few. I uh, I don't find that something to be ashamed about. <laughs> Uh, as a father, I should be ashamed because I'm trying to teach my daughter that violence true, is, is yeah. what you should do. <laughs> I don't have little ones that I have to keep uh, <laughs> good appearances for. Yeah. Don't worry, just just DM me their name later and I'll get them. <laughs> oh, great. Well, that kind of, I guess, brings us to, the, honestly, the last question, really. Which was, if you could change one thing in the world regarding the way things are for neurodivergent people, what would it be? And I know that can be a hard question. <laughs> Only one? Oh, Other than um, just the world. <laughs> yeah. The world, yeah. Uh, ooh, God. I don't know if I have one. Let me see. Let me see if I can narrow it down. Say as many as you want, it's fine. In my brain. <laughs> um, education, first of all. Big f- education needs to be taught in schools. It needs to be, life skills need to be taught in schools. How to talk to people needs to be put in schools. And in general, we just need a better education system on uh, attention disorders in general. Um, And the stigma needs to stop because people are like, oh, they're a crappy student because they have ADHD or they're a crappy student because they have ADD or, oh, they don't know how to talk to people because they're autistic. And it's just like, no, (laughs) it's because we're so like shoved into a corner And nobody knows how to talk to us because nobody talks about talking to us or how like we may perceive things differently. So definitely education, like education in like early childhood development all the way up through schools. And I think it also needs to be talked about in the workplace too. We have a lot of situations where, I mean, I could probably count on my hand right now, the the number of people I've worked with that have ADHD or ADD. And once I realized that they needed something a little differently, being able to communicate with them, so much easier. But like, we just ignore it at work. Like, we don't talk about it. Like, we don't, we don't interact with it. Nobody, like, nobody wants to be like, oh yeah, I have ADHD at work. Nobody wants to do that because like, everyone's just like job security, fear, all this other stuff. But ADHD doesn't make you a bad worker. Neither does ADD. Neither does being autistic. Neither does other neurotypical or neuro, uh, neurodivergent issues as well. Like, it's just, it just means we need something a little differently. And I think that while, yes, there are other pressing things that need to be talked about, including, you know, building diverse spaces and all that other stuff too, I just think education in general needs to just happen for not only grade school, but also in the workplace. And it needs to be trained and accepted, especially at the managerial levels because that's not happening. I don't know how many times I've gotten written up for, at work because of how I've handled something because somebody else like came at me and then backed me into a corner and then I got angry and then I got written up when they could have like talked to me a different way or like brought up the situation differently or had a mediator come in when they realized that they couldn't be the one to talk to me. That probably would have saved at least two jobs for me. I was let go of two jobs because of my response and my they say attitude but yeah. it's not just the attitude um it's the personality is really what it is um i've been let go of two jobs in my entire life for that for personality clashes or personality issues um 
And they were just simple things of people came at me sideways while I was like backed into a corner, started going, no, 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 no. This is how you are not doing things right. And then as soon as I said something, I'm being badgering or I'm being defensive or I'm being aggressive. Uh, when literally they could have just come at me simply and said, hey, I noticed that this was misplaced or this was not done right. Can we look at this? Can we do this? But it's my fault because of the way that I react to something. And so like work and school, education, hands down 100%. If I could fix one thing in the world, education. If I could fix two things, um, I don't even know what my second one is. Welcome to ADHD. Yep. <laughs> I don't even remember what my second one was. I had one. I had one. And now I was just like so hyper fixated on that one. I was like, oh, I got a good one. And then it just like, there's my brain. Welcome. Mood. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> ADHD in action, friends. This is how this works. And this affects <laughs> us. Um, but yeah, like it's education. Um, if I if I had to pick one, just give us give us the tools that we need to talk to other people. Like I don't have a ton of experience dealing with people on the spectrum the autistic, uh, autism spectrum. I don't. And I, I have had to search out information myself because it's not taught anywhere because like I have wonderful members of my community that are on the spectrum that I sometimes don't know how to relate to. And I will dig through what I can to make sure that I'm not saying anything that would, that could be misconstrued as insulting or aggressive or any of that stuff. Like education is something that like, I feel like everybody should have access to, and I shouldn't have to spend six hours digging through everything just to find out how I can better talk to somebody. So. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's just education and acceptance. Too big. That acceptance was the other one. That's what it was. <laughs> Which is a good one. A very yeah. good one. Mm -hmm. oh. Well, thank you. That was... I mean, I'm lost for words. You've taught me a lot of stuff and you've opened my eyes to some stuff that I need to look at myself <laughs> for. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's been fun getting to talk about this. This is stuff, I mean, I talk about this a lot on my own channel and stuff like that. And I talk about like how I feel a lot. Um, and I talk about how things affect me. And I'm very, um, I've just, and, and it's not, it's not something that everybody's going to be able to do. And uh, people aren't always going to be able to be like, hey, I'm a suicide survivor. My name is Lisa. How are you? Like, that's not something everybody's going to be able to do yeah. or feel comfortable doing. Um, so what necessarily works for me is uh, not going to necessarily work for everybody else, but finding what does work and being able to use that and hold on to that and use that as a tool as like your, uh, I remember in school, did you ever go to school and have like one of those things where like you couldn't talk unless you had the special item in school, oh. the baton, use that as your baton. Like, hold on to that and just be like, that's you, like, find whatever that is, whatever that item is to you, whether it's brutal honesty, whether it's crisis dumping, whether it's just reservation, whether it's whatever, um, just hold on to that, find that and use it. And it helps to kind of make a lot of this a lot less scary because like when, when I first did it, I was like, oh God, I'm going to be blunt and honest and people are going to hate me. Some people do. And that bothered me a lot in the beginning. It really did. I was like, oh God, somebody didn't like me. I was up until four in the morning. Like, 
these people don't like me. Like, what do I do? And I was just like, no. They don't like me. They don't like me. There are millions of people in this world, billions of people in this world. Yeah. I can deal with 10 to 15 people not liking me. I could also deal with probably have five people plotting my death. That's cool, too. <laughs> just go find the other billion people that you want to be around with. So, you know, it's just you got to find what works for you and you got to hold on to it and don't let anybody like shake you like we're, we're used to being like taken advantage of and, and just kind of like disregarded in society, like stand your ground with whatever that is that makes you happy and makes you feel secure in who you are and just use it. Can I just say, well done, by the way, because you've taken the my memory of that <laughs> stick and you just turned it into something positive. <laughs> well done. That fucking stupid. I hated that thing because I was always the kid in the back of the class, like, give me the fucking stick. Like, I'm ready to talk now. Like, I'm just over here like, God damn it. I want to talk. Like, give me the thing. Like, I'm just bouncing around because I was that kid who always had to be saying something that 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 stick was my like worst enemy as a kid. But. You know, that's what it is. I mean, <laughs> once you have the ability to talk and to share, like, make it your own. Give yourself, if, if they're not going to give it to you, make your own. There that's you what it that's is. That's the message. That's the message for today. <laughs> Got that, everyone? <laughs> make your own fucking talking stick. <laughs> sorry, I, I dropped lots of F-bombs. It's I'm perfectly so fine, so do I. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, just find what works for you and just hold on to it and, and use it because each one of you guys are different. Each one of you guys are going to have different experiences, different life, uh, different friends, different family. Um, and you just got to you gotta do what works for you. And it's going to be different for everybody. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you very much for all of that. I that, was, that was incredible. Honestly. Aww um thank you for having me it's been really fun being able to talk about this like i i don't get to bounce off somebody who also understands a lot of this stuff like i talk about it on stream but i'm talking to myself when i do it so like having a conversation and stuff is um is is always fun to be able to kind of like open up and like get those different perspectives because like listening to you talk about like how it affected you as a child and like seeing that like yeah that ours weren't exactly the same and we had very different like aspects of it even though both of us weren't diagnosed or even recognized until much later and like how that shaped differently for each one of us and stuff too so yeah it's just it's such, it's such an interesting thing so i love this podcast and i'm so excited that like you asked me to be on it i was like oh my god yay <laughs> you know i'm gonna embarrass myself now but you have no idea how embarrassed how nervous i was to ask you but not in a bad way but just because you're one of the streamers that i look up to the most <laughs> so it's gonna yeah. make me cry in here no <laughs> so i was like <laughs> no i was so excited as soon as you like i saw the message i was like no fucking way and i like clicked on sorry f-bombs um i was like no, no way and i was super excited to see it so i'm i'm so thankful that i got a chance to talk about it because it is something that needs to be talked about and i love that you're doing the podcast on it and i love that you're getting the different perspectives from everybody so it's it's i don't know i love it it's it's awesome and i i can't wait to see the the future guests and all that stuff too so i'm i'm super stoked for how how it's gonna go along in terms of guests i think we've peaked anyway so <laughs> <laughs> oh no i'm sure there are far more interesting people than than, than me for sure <laughs> 
Ellie's out. Ellie's outing me in chat, by the way. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I love you, Hell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> on that on that note, before I go completely red, um, yeah, thank you again very much. I really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Uh, I think I yeah I'm gonna go and wash my face for a minute, and then I think. We'll do, what we normally do now is I, I will jump back to FF14 for a bit anyway. But I really appreciate you coming on that. This was a brilliant episode. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm so happy to be here. It was it was absolutely a pleasure. I'm glad I got to do it. Brilliant. I always feel awkward at this point, but thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. You guys have a good one. Bye.